You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. That you're, you're probably doing the right thing the wrong way. You, it's lost in communication. We give what we would really love to receive. Right. And oftentimes that doesn't translate into true care mm. of your spouse. What do you want? Just say it. Let's let's not yeah. play a guessing game and then live with unrealistic expectations. <sighs> it's not even the experience that's curated as much as it is the communication that curates the experience. Dear young married couple, you're in a busy season of your life. You're probably working and involved in ministry. On top of that, you might even be parents or students. You're maxed, but you really want to stay connected in your marriage. And that's why we're bringing this podcast to you. I'm Adam King. And I'm Carissa King. And we work with busy couples just like you in our counseling office here in Sacramento, California. We also work with couples all over the world through online counseling. And our couples are really just looking for ways to communicate with each other more effectively. Some of them are looking to heal from a breach in trust or find direction in fulfilling the purpose that God has for them. So come and join us as we have a conversation. We'll talk with therapists, authors, pastors, and other couples who will pour into us, giving us tools to become more intimately connected, get adventurous, and find purpose. What we're looking at is this. This is the old library, second most famous library in the world at the time, the Library of Pergamum. You see these notches here? This would have yeah. been braces that would have come out to hold the wooden shelving around. They oh, would leave neat. plenty of room in the back here for circulation. And this this library was it, it was rivaled only by by the Library of Alexandria. This is a big deal. Two hundred thousand volumes of books here. Two hundred thousand. What form? What form? Um, they would have been scrolls. The majority of them would have been scrolls, you know, rolled up. But also there would have been um, parchment pieces, you know, because the scrolls were were pieces of, you know, leather here mm. because Egypt wouldn't sell them papyrus anymore. So <laughs> they, they were competing. They got yeah. tired of the competition. Well, they just figure if we'll limit the paper, then they can't. They, they can't have more books than us. So one way to win. Yeah. And this is probably especially valuable for you. Tell us about your passion for books Ooh. and the library. Yeah, this is, this is huge for me. I've to be here is just a dream come true because you're a lover of books. Yeah. I'm a, I'm an antiquarian book dealer. I I'm a voracious reader and I love it. And so this, in my mind, if I was going to gift somebody something, this would be the greatest gift in the world. Yes. Greatest gift for you to receive as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about the history of a gift that took place here. Okay, so this is one of the, it's considered the world's worst gift, wedding <laughs> gift. Hmm. Um, Mark Antony 
came here with uh, Cleopatra. And obviously he was a reader because Caesar was a reader and he was emulating everything that Julius Caesar did. Mm. Julius Caesar was a brilliant tactician as well as an adept politician and a brilliant Mm. uh, man. He wrote the entire time he was on his campaigns in Gaul, he wrote the Gallic Wars, researching, reading voraciously. So Mark Antony carries that same love for books Mm. over. So what you're saying is there's something to be said about the whole saying, readers are leaders. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. (laughs) The greatest leaders in the world, with the probably exception of uh, Genghis Khan, was great readers. Mm. And that that is a footnote to history, is that he, he was just leveling and terrorizing. He wasn't building anything. He was building an empire of fear. And so we link that as readers uh, with uh, just naked and raw conquest that has no link to the past and has no purpose in the future. It's just right. conquest for conquest's sake. Right. So he is a footnote in history. So he would be the one exception to that. Okay. In hmm. sense. But we'll so, bring us back to Mark Antony. Tell us. Okay. Yeah. So Mark Antony and Cleopatra get here. And his love language, apparently, was... Gifts <laughs> and giving of gifts. And so Mark Antony comes in and gives all of the famed library of Pergamum to her mm-hmm. as a wedding present to Cleopatra. And which one, would seem to be an amazing gift to get. Oh, it was it was un well and it and it had great meaning as far as he was trying to Remember, she is now the widow of Julius Caesar and kind of, you know, as his lover. And so he she's cut loose from him. His his empire is crumbling. Mark Antony's trying to prove that he's as good as Julius Caesar. Well, uh, Caesar, I don't believe Caesar actually burned the library in Alexandria down, but his Mm. soldiers did during the battle and caught fire, whether purposely or accidentally. But this was Mark Antony's way of saying, uh, we're going to go to Alexandria and rebuild. And this was part of his dream. So he gives her this as a gift. The only problem is she wasn't a reader. <laughs> so it was a great, great gift. But it, it had very little purpose yeah. for her other than that it was something he gave her. Well, could she even understand the no, language? No, most of what was in here was was Greek writings and some in Latin, which she may have been able. It's debated whether or not she could read and write Latin, but uh, she would not have understood uh, a lot of this. Mm-hmm. She was too young to be properly schooled by the time yeah. Caesar came in. So when he gave her this gift, as ostentatious as it was, it just didn't resonate. Mm. And so half of this, this all got demolished. They tore it all down, loaded it up, traipsed it over to the sea, put it on boats, and shipped it out. Half of it never made it to Egypt. Oh, it wow. ended up rotting and just being destroyed somewhere. We don't even know where it is. So like one of the greatest treasures of the ancient world ended up rotting on a dock somewhere. Absolutely. 
And what did make it, the few ships that actually made it through uh, and made it to Alexandria, it got burned. All of those documents got burned in another fire. Now the second great fire in Alexandria. But it was not the Library of Alexandria, that second fire. Mm -hmm. It was the Library of Pergamum, which was here. Did she order all of the books to be shipped? To Alexandria? No, he did. He did. He did. She had no, she, they, history records that she looked at it, acknowledged that it was given <laughs> and walked off looking at something else. And he was just enraged <laughs> because his gift wasn't resonating the way he wanted it. So to. sad because the gift that he gave meant so much to him. Yes. Mm. And it actually was a very valuable gift for probably all the people standing around. Yes. But it didn't. It, it wasn't valuable for the person receiving. Yeah, which I think we can do a lot of times. We're, we're trying to give what we would hope to receive mm -hmm. and without thinking of the, the person that we're mm -hmm. giving the gift to. Whether that's in the form of a gift or in other forms of affection or care. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Everybody has their own, their own way of receiving affection and, and, and carving out meaningful times mm -hmm. and... As this analogy best shows, yeah. things can be lost in translation. So Absolutely. Good. Well, thank you for giving us this history lesson in this yeah. amazing place. Yeah, this is an incredible deal. And and she was one very, very lucky woman, although it didn't mean anything. <laughs> well, we'll look forward to bringing this home with some stories from you and some lessons from you on marriage and showing affection, communicating directly with your spouse uh, when we get indoors. Okay. Thank you so All much. Right. Thank you, yes. guys. Privileged to be with you. So picking up where we left off in Turkey at Pergamum, we're here with Pastor Walker. Thanks so much for joining with us today. Thanks for having me. I love being here, and I'm excited to be with you guys. Oh. Man, it was such a good conversation, just reflecting back. Yes. Even though it was really windy. <laughs> yes. But oh my word, wasn't Pergamum just breathtaking? It really was. It really was. It was. So the sound quality may not have been perfect, but the backdrop was. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So true. Uh, well, we're um, excited to delve a bit more deeply into this concept of not just getting good gifts for your spouse yeah. necessarily, although that's applicable right now during the holiday season, um, but also getting to know your spouse intimately, becoming familiar with their world. Talk to us a little bit about, um, you shared maybe a snippet of it with us when we were in Pergamum, but a little bit about your experience rewinding back in your marriage when this became um, kind of a relevant note for you and your wife to work on. Yeah. So we were, we were a young married couple that just had a, I think at the time we had just maybe one or two of our four children and life. I was, I was a home missionary for um, the first several years of our marriage at, we evangelized for a couple of years and then I was a home missionary. So I started traveling a lot and it wasn't all the time, like in the whole week, but I started to where I was gone one or two days out of the week a mm -hmm. lot. And so it really bothered me because quality time was important for me. Mm -hmm. And so 
our schedule, we always had good intentions. We were always staying close. And, you know, it's, it, people think it's easy. Like, in, well, if I was a pastor, I was a preacher, it would be, you know, easier to manage my time or whatever, <laughs> but it, it actually isn't because you have, when you're trying to manage your time and say you're working at the oil industry or whatever, it's fairly easy for you to get to the point in your mind where, okay, I need to cut off my job. But when your job is God yeah. and your job is God's people yeah. and, and your impetus is your burden, it, it can actually just take over and consume every part of your life. Right. And by the time you realize that's happened, you've justified it so long, mm-hmm. right? That, that you've lost control. So I didn't, I, I've seen that. I didn't want that to happen. Okay. And so I said, let's, you know, I'm going to start scheduling time. And I'm, I've always been very, you know, organized and man, schedules are important to me. Uh-huh. And so my wife, it, it was a bit offensive to her. And she, she felt like, cause I didn't communicate. I just thought, well, I'm honoring her by carving out quality time. Right. 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 But I never told her that I never explained that to her. Just all of a sudden she became an appointment on a schedule. And she likes that, right? No, she didn't. <laughs> she did not at all. So we were, we were trying to work through that kind of stuff. And we made an appointment with Jason Carr and sat down and I thought, well, Jason can explain it to her. Mm-hmm. And what, <laughs> what actually happened is Jason explained to me that you're, you're probably doing the right thing the wrong way. You, mm. It's lost in communication. Mm. And so that's when I began to think about gift giving. I began to think about the, the time it takes to communicate what each other wants out of a relationship. Mm. And so even though I was very good intentioned and to this day, years and years later, we still have scheduled time together. We just Mm. went every Monday at 11 o'clock, we go out somewhere to lunch together. And Mm. so it's very, you know, we have time in the week and it's not offensive, but, but I missed that in Mm -hmm. communication. I just assumed she would understand what I was doing. And so that got me reading and thinking a lot about how we give what we would really love to receive. Right. And oftentimes that doesn't translate into true care mm. of your spouse. Mm-hmm. So that's, wow. that's why those stories meant something to me. That's so good. really good. What changed for you then? So you had one idea going in that brother Carr is going to, shrink your wife and help her understand what's happening. <laughs> and and then it, you walked out with a whole different perspective or maybe what was that mantra? The thing that went over in your head that, that switched like, ah, no, it's this way. It's not this way. It's this way. When he, when he asked me, did you explain it to her? And, and I sat back and said, well, no, I didn't. Mm. So what, and, and I'm, I'm a good communicator, I feel like. And mm-hmm. but in communication, like we do this for a living, right? Right. But one of the things that that we fail to do sometimes, we think because we're a good communicator or proficient at it, 
one of the things we forget to do sometimes is to communicate. Mm. We're, we're so busy thinking about how we communicate, how good we are at it, or how we can improve on it. We True. read books about it. We practice it. Mm. But often we forget to do it. Yeah. And so he said, did you communicate to her? Well, yeah, after it got heated, not bad. After she basically said, I'm not an appointment on your schedule, if that's what you're trying to do. Hmm. And then I communicated it. But then as we talked it through and it grew into how to manage our family as well, um. how to get the kids involved and how to make sure that the church business and church life doesn't consume every hour of my life. Yeah. So what I was thinking was going to help her ended up kind of completely remodeling my mindset of ministry. So beautiful. Good. What yeah. what are your personal checks and balances that let you know um hey, you know, things are starting to consume me. I need to maybe you know, take inventory, step back and do it a different way. Like, is it in your body? Is it in your mind? Is it like pressure? Like, how do you know when that, when that time is? So, so everything I'm pretty much controlled by my calendar. I could tell you what I'll be doing next week. I could tell you what book I'll be reading next Thursday. So my, <laughs> my world is pretty ordered. You schedule and when you're going to read which book? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have. It. Yeah, because like to me, I hear people say, I don't have time to read. And I'm like, then why why are you living? Like what <laughs> who wants to who wants to live if you can't read, right? What's the problem? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So to me, that's just a priority problem. Yes. That's not really a time problem. So mm -hmm. so my life is pretty ordered and yep. I've I've counted in a lot of family time in that. Yeah. Even if it's nights where I've got to pile up stuff and do a lot of work, Tuesdays mm -hmm. are insanely busy for me. Okay. And most of the time, my kids are eating right here at this table behind me in this office mm -hmm. on a Tuesday night. Yeah. So I can't get away, but they come here. So we just, and if that starts falling apart for me, then I start recognizing I, I'm not being intentional enough mm -hmm. about the things that mean the most to me. That's good. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to me that what works well for you and keeps you in line as, as far as your checks and balances is your schedule. And that was the very thing you were attempting to do that caused your wife some heartache feeling like an item on your calendar until you communicated about that differently. Can you, get really practical with us for those who are listening, find themselves in similar shoes. What did you say to her that helped communicate her value in your life and thus the need to have this scheduled? So instead of treating it like a technical problem, which was how foolish I was in the beginning, to me, it was just, I don't have enough time and my life is out of control. I'm going to schedule time. Well, that's a technical answer to probably an adaptive or a cultural problem in my life. Okay. I was having, so instead of just addressing it with a technical response, I started casting vision for what kind of marriage we wanted to have. What, mm -hmm. what, what do you want in a perfect world? What does it look like time-wise? 
because I, I don't know if this is the right terminology to use, but I have heard wives who are married to pastors who say, basically, the church has almost become a justified mistress or affair that he has. It's like his, you know, he has like yep. another life he lives. Yep. And that might be a harsh terminology, but I've had pastor's wife say that to mm -hmm. me when we were talking. I feel yes. like my husband is married to someone else. Yeah, we've heard so, that for sure. And, and that scares me, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's not right, no matter how good the cause is. Yeah. That that's not correct. And so we start talking about what what is a perfect life or marriage? What would it look like if we managed our time perfectly? You cast vision. Yep. Yeah. And then from there we backed it into the schedule. Nice. Right. Mm -hmm. And and so I, instead of doing the technical applications first, I started communicating. I would love to be able because to me, Monday is like a preacher's Saturday. Not that we get it off, but sure. you know, right. when we get to go fishing every Monday. But that's just your mind is kind of uncluttered. You're yep. catching your breath mm -hmm. from the weekend. Yeah. And I want to fall into her arms at that point and say, this is important to us. Right. Mm -hmm. And so her her deal is throughout the week. She wants other portions of time. Monday is very important to me. Sure. And I thought it would be very important to her, you know, because uh. nobody has good quality time if you're in ministry on a Sunday, right? <laughs> so Monday has to work. But Monday's her busiest day as a mother. It was mm. like, okay, so it's just, so we've kind of adapted there, but we started communicating first and scheduling second. <sighs> That's huh. good. That That's, that can be revelatory. That is really good. Mm -hmm. I I uh I remember reading a book by Michael Hyatt that gives a very similar um instruction to guys or people that are wanting to control their life better mm -hmm. and find out their priorities is to like write down a whole week everything on it and then find where your time is wasted or where you can gain it or all that mm -hmm. other thing. But I love how you went there first visionary first visionary first yeah. what do we want mm -hmm. which is a really powerful question so we we didn't get an answer necessarily to just lunches and date nights in a week and mm -hmm. you know but it was i'm kind of a big thinker big personality you know run all over the world do everything all the time and mm -hmm. she's not she would yeah. to her quiet simplicity is more meaningful than being abroad somewhere in some foreign country. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so it, it was shocking to me that date night and lunch, you know, wasn't everything she wanted. Mm -hmm. She wanted quiet time between this and this event. And so that was revelatory to me. That's and that great. came out. The other thing that came out is our life is so absorbed in ministry. Yeah. We travel mm -hmm. uh, in at this time in our life. We did everything that we did before and after a missions trip or something. You know, we would mm -hmm. tag on three uh -huh. or four days here or there. But she she brought up that she doesn't have a say. She mm -hmm. doesn't get to say where we go other than our family vacation, but mm. you know, so 
we started working on a deal where she got the points, the airline points for all the traveling that I was doing. And then once a year, pretty much it worked out to once or twice a year. She had all of that sway to be able to say, I'm using all these points to take our children to Roatan with you this time. Okay. And so that gave her a lot of sense of, I can carve out a family with him mm-hmm. and I can travel and I can bring our children. And so she was making those decisions and that was helpful to her. I would have never guessed or saw that. Mm-hmm. I thought by, you know, I would have never dreamed that, that the yeah. 10 o'clock to 1130 at night is like her time where she loves just sat quietly with me mm. without interruption. I was thinking big dinners. I was thinking right. lunch. I was given the gift that nobody oh. could read. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. It was yep. brilliant to me, but right. to her, it was like, how do we just sit and have tea together uh. and sometimes talk or not talk? Yeah. Right. That's so, yes. so that was an eye opener for me. Man, I can imagine. Were you just sitting there listening to her say this and going, really? Yeah, I was. <laughs> okay, so I'm sure a lot of people are listening and thinking, okay, this is five love languages. You know, like I know what he's talking about. He's talking about, you know, the fact that his wife wants quality time and it needs to be quiet time and, and he wants, you know, um, quality time abroad and more action oriented time and what other resources other than the five love languages would you bring in here? Not necessarily book recommendations, although we'll ask you about that too, but like just concepts aside from the five love languages that apply here. Um, so I, I don't remember the title of the book. It's, it's basically something about the way to bullet journal. I start, I've always been a writer. And okay. I start, we started bullet journaling about conversations we had or didn't have ah, and, okay. and things that we want to talk about, things that we forget in the moment, we'll forget that we wanted to revisit that. And mm. so I, I started journaling in those days because I was traveling, you know, some couple years at the end there before I moved to Canada, it was 40 weeks out of the year. I was gone a day or two in that week somewhere. Well, as you're traveling, you think like, I I would love to tell her this, but then you get on another plane, you preach another message. My, so to anybody who's listening, my perspective about the five love languages, my problem wasn't that I couldn't figure those out. My problem was I spiritualized my calendar. Hmm. Mm. Talk about that. What does that mean? We're busy people, and not just me as a pastor. Most people listening to this, if you're a Pentecostal or you're very involved in a faith community, you're, there's something going on at your church every single night. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, mm. and to make your spouse feel like she has to fight against God or anointing in order to get heard, sometimes will beat her down or him down to where they don't feel like they're free to say, we shouldn't be doing that every night. Well, Mm. because in their mind, they're well, I'm thankful that at least my husband's not at the bar. 
right? Yeah. Or at least my husband could be this, or my wife could yeah. be that. And yeah. they're at church and they're doing this. So we started kind of plotting seasons. Okay. For the next few months, this is going to be like this, but I'm going to take this night and this day, and this is going to be my family time. Okay. So we begin to actively reconcile our, our schedules, even if it was God time hmm. where before I spiritualized everything. Hmm. I was a pastor. I had a great eternal reason hmm. for why I needed to be anywhere I was. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so anytime she would try to say, we need to stop this. Well, how do you stop being Sunday school, this, or, you know, outreach right. director. Right. And so when your Pentecostal construct spiritualizes everything you do, it's not just as simple as figuring out your five love languages, because now you've got God in every appointment you have. Right. And how, how That's do you, the Trump fire, card. how do you cancel exactly. God? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and how do you get that conversation going to somebody that, yes, I love that you're doing outreach every Saturday and bus ministry is your life, but it can't be every Saturday. Yeah. There's got to be a balance. Mm-hmm. So brother Carr helped me come to the realization that every date I had on this calendar was all God moments Mm -hmm. and that she couldn't get her voice heard. And that was helpful in being more substantive than just which love language we liked. That's good. That's so good. Yeah. And it sounds like you started seeing your marriage through the lens of a God-ordained, God-directed activity as well. So it wasn't like... I'm canceling God because I'm not going to outreach on Saturday. It it had more to do with this is God's will for me to prioritize my wife and to make sure our marriage is healthy. Right. Absolutely. Right. Because it's definitely not God's will for it to fall apart. No. And that's where you come to the realization, what would it profit a man? And I know I'm taking this a bit out of context, Mm -hmm. but what if I gained the whole world and I lost my own family or lost my own marriage or Mm -hmm. lost my own soul? Right. Yep. You know, so God needs me, Mm -hmm. right? That that sounds arrogant, Mm -hmm. but God chose to need to work with humans. Yes. God needs all of you to work in his kingdom, Mm -hmm. but he needs us healthy. He yes. needs us balanced mm-hmm. because if, if we're just working ourselves to, and I'm a workaholic, I confess that mm-hmm. uh, most of the nights, Malia and I, you know, we, we have our quiet time from 10 or 1130. She falls asleep. I, I work till uh, I'll, I'll read and write till sometimes two, three in the morning and then fall asleep and get up, you know, in the morning and go, I just never needed a lot of sleep. Mm-hmm. So I had to back up and say, it doesn't matter what I need. My biological clock, she has a voice and and she may just need quiet time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, that's yeah. good. That is so good. When you were saying that, I thought of somebody said something like more marriages suffer, not from malice, but from neglect. Yeah. And it was just, and it wasn't like a thing that you were trying to do. It's just, you were focused on this and she didn't feel like she had that voice to speak into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause how could she cancel God? 
Right. And then, and then, you know, everything typically that would come to a pastor is always kind of an emergency, right? Right. Yeah. And, and so, and then that's where I just got to where I had to back up and say, look, every emergency they have can't be an emergency on my part. Mm. And I had to take control of my, my schedule, take control of my life at that point, because yeah. in the beginning I had spiritualized everything I was doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Is that because you like you shoulder the complete responsibility of creating the church? Like it's you know building if it. it's going to build it's going to happen because I build it. It was a little bit of that in the beginning, but then it just you're a visionary, you have a burden. Got it. And and you kind of you've heard the term helicopter parents. Well, there's helicopter pastors. Ah. And you know, and and in the beginning, you've got new converts and people, and and you can say, here's what it takes to get this done. A lot of times it was easier for me just to do it than it was to have another meeting, explain how and why. And you know, but then I realized I'm sucking up all the oxygen in both this marriage and this mm-hmm. ministry, and I'm not mm-hmm. developing anyone else. Yep. And when I began to back off and realize that I need to not be a helicopter pastor, I need to give this over to them, mm. let them take responsibility and ownership and work on accountability more than me just doing it all. Hmm. That's good. A lot of people could rewind that and listen to that last segment again. <laughs> we actually just aired an episode, or we will air it tomorrow. And there's um, Instagram posts this week about how to serve the church and not lose your family. And a lot of these concepts are covered. In fact, I think that statement you said earlier, if I gain the whole church and lose my family, mm-hmm. what yeah. have I profited? You know, right. And they, they said that exact thing, the, the interviewee. So this is kind of a... Another reminder here, folks, if you listen to the episode in November, you're listening to this one air in December. A lot of the folks that are listening are in ministry in some way, whether they're pastoring or involved, uh, you know, to a high degree. Was it difficult for you to be completely present knowing you, you are a voracious reader and driven and, you know, you're a builder, you're creative. Mm hmm. Was it difficult for you to to pause your brain and pause your work in your head and and be completely there? It it was when we were doing it without communicating. Mm-hmm. Once we started making communication more than anything, mm-hmm. it, more important than anything else, it got very easy for me to be present. So, for instance, if we're just going to sit in a room just because we're supposed to be together. Mm-hmm. then I've never been bored a minute in my life ever. Right. So I'm going to read something. My head's going somewhere. Um, the bullet journal started helping. What, what am I yeah. going to talk about? What are, what, what are some of the things that we aren't getting to say that we need to be intentional mm-hmm. about what we say? Yeah. Right. And then we started in those, in that period of time, Instead of waiting and just saying, she'll probably talk about this. She would just come out and say, I want to talk to you about 
right? Instead of sitting there, not communicating, mm-hmm. being upset because we're not communicating. Right. It, it's it's that way in in our our personal life. It's that way now in our sex life. It's that mm-hmm. way in our emotional mm-hmm. uh, life. What do you want? Just say it. Let's let's not Good. play a guessing game. And then live with unrealistic expectations, right? So if you want that, if you want to be, um, if you, if you want to be that way, then just say what you want from me. And I'm going to tell you what I want. And then we found out the time that we had together became just quality time and not a quantity of time. Mm. That's so good. Yep. So I never had a, I never had a problem staying present when we started just opening up saying, I want this Mm -hmm. tonight. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about this, or I want to do this, or we just, we quit hoping that the other one would eventually get there. And we just, with communication, got there together and it just changed our marriage. So good. That's so good. Not I that love- we have a perfect marriage. But- of course. Yeah. <laughs> I love the fact that you guys are proactive mm-hmm. with the bullet journaling and, mm-hmm. and bringing your, probably some of your best thoughts from the day. Um, I think it was John Maxwell who said that he found that when he came to his wife, he wouldn't have much to talk about. And then he realized that whenever he had something exciting happen outside of like in his business or something, he would tell everybody and that excitement (sighs) would lose its, you know, it would lose its excitement to him because he's already Mm -hmm. shared it. So he said, just by holding that excitement just for his wife to share. Yes. He would be excited all day to share it with her and then she could share and then they'd have an intimate moment. Mm -hmm. And it seems like that's kind of, the point of this, I'm, I think yeah. we're going to probably get a bullet journal. Well, I do bullet journal. Yes, you do. But but we should bu- bullet I, journal. I, huh? I like that. That'd I think be I'm going to do that. Okay. So when people are hearing us talk and there, I know a lot of people need very practical steps. Um, we've talked in the realm of, you know, gift giving, uh, specifically with Cleopatra and Mark Antony. We've talked about the quality time and what kind of time um, matters to each of you. You mentioned in your sex life, this is an area that is so sensitive to folks when, when it comes to talking about it, even for couples who do it frequently or who might consider themselves to have a decent sex life. They, they're they not actually communicating about their sex life. Where would you say is a practical area or step to take to start talking more openly about their sex life to each other? We'll be right back to the interview, but first we wanted to share something that we are really excited about. So you know we all have those times where we don't feel super connected to our spouse and we really don't know what conversations to have to get us to that connected place. And then on top of that, we're so busy that we don't prioritize those conversations. And that's why we created the monthly live date night. And monthly live date night is every month on a Friday night for 90 minutes, 60 minutes. We focus on a topic that uh, you guys pick and then 30 minutes we do a Q&A and it's live where we're all together asking questions and giving answers on topics related to your marriage, your intimacy. 
and we share tools. Uh, we have handouts that we call homework because we want you to be there to listen and to soak in, but we really want you to take action in your marriage too. So come join us live for the next monthly live date night. Check the link in the show notes for dates and details. All right, back to the interview. I, I would say talking about frustrations or unrealistic expectations. Okay. Um, if, if somebody wants a back rub or whatever else it is, you fill in the blanks, talk to each other about those things. Talk, build that expectation with mm-hmm. communication. Um, Any expectation yeah. that's not communicated is unrealistic. Hmm. Just that's, that's the bottom line. We don't read each other's mind. Mm. That's really and good. so if people begin to communicate that anticipation builds. So mm. if, if it's, if it's a intimate text between married couples in the day that says it could be as simple as when I get home, I want to do this or that. Mm-hmm. You build that expectation by mm-hmm. communicating, That's not cool. just sitting there in your own privacy of your mind, mm-hmm. fantasizing about what you hope was to happen. Mm-hmm. Right. And then and you get, get home, home. <laughs> and it doesn't because it was an unrealistic expectation. <laughs> exactly. That's and it wasn't cool. unrealistic because she wouldn't or he wouldn't have enjoyed right. to participate in in that it just it's unrealistic because it was left mm-hmm. unsaid mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and the guessing game and the busier you get in life the less reality you you really don't have it's not a realistic expectation to say oh we're both going to get home and want the same thing right it's just not yep. it, you draw mm-hmm. each other to each other with communication yes. and that builds Ooh. and so that's that's what I would say is, is start your evening or start your time way out in front of it, even when you're not together. Yeah. Yeah. That reminds me of something we often tell couples that frustration is the result of uncommunicated and or unmet expectations. But I like how you said, it's you know, it's actually unrealistic until it's even communicated, even if it wouldn't right. have been unrealistic to begin with. Right. Yeah. And you find that both, both typically want, you know, within reason, the same thing. Yes. If you could just ever align schedules, moods, and feelings. Well, how to do that is to premeditate it. Yeah. You know, uh, you normally get out of life what you plan to get out of. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. if you wander through life, just expecting the perfect meal that if you, you know, rarely does that happen. Right. But you, you're pretty much trying to figure out on Yelp or open table or something before you get there. Yeah. But yet in our marriages, we don't. We just show up and expect that, well, if we loved each other, this would happen. Yeah. And that's not realistic. Right. Yep. So I would say text each other, call each other, talk specifically about what you want to happen tomorrow. And that's probably what you're going to get. So in, in riding, uh, they would train us to ride horses. I'm an equestrian. 
And he, he would argue with me. He would, I had a horse that wouldn't pay attention and he would say, look at that post over there. And I would lock my eyes. And if that horse was turning, he would say, keep looking, keep looking at where you want to go. He said, because what happens is, is your shoulder, your torso, your hips, thighs, and your, and your ankles, which is controlling the horse, they're going to go whichever way your eyes are set. So if you set your eyes towards something in marriage, your body will follow that. Your schedules will follow that. But if you never look at that and because life's going to turn, but you got to keep your eyes on the, on the goal. And if you keep your eyes on that experience and that relationship, your body, I mean, there'll be twists and turns, right? But your, your body's pretty much going to be controlled by where your eye is. So keep your eye on what experience or relationship you want and your schedule as unwieldy as it is, it will eventually get in line and go the direction we want it to go. Mm, Love it. Starting with the vision right there. I do like that. That is so good. Start with the bullet journal. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then your schedule. Yeah. I I love it. It's so practical. It's so Mm -hmm. doable. It just takes somebody scheduling a time maybe over coffee, which would be a really great idea <laughs> and, and talking about this stuff, right. You know, and yep. sharing those needs. And it's vulnerable. You know, it's, it feels like a risk because you don't know how it's going to be received. Yep. It feels like you could be rejected. Um, but that's what intimacy is about. Mm-hmm. It's about taking right. risks and those risks being met with reciprocity. Yeah. And that's You're what we right. want in our marriage is intimate connection. Yeah. The danger is that, we, because we feel threatened that, you know, the vulnerability is scary and we want to avoid that pain. Mm -hmm. Clarity always suffers because of that. Mm -hmm. And because clarity suffers, like you said, it's unrealistic that anything, your, your your vision is not going to be met. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. right. Uh, Well, yeah. Were you going to add to that? Well, it's back to where we started in Pergamum and the, the gift of the library. Wrap it up. Mm-hmm. In, his, in his mind, he thought, this is everything I would want. And, but it, it couldn't have been read. It couldn't have been cared for because it wasn't her. And so I had to stop and say, what, what would it look like if you got out of this relationship what you needed and what you wanted? And, and it was stunning to me. It wasn't the massive library, which I thought it would be. <laughs> it wasn't. It, it was quiet time together, not even going somewhere, just being happy to set still together. And so that was all lost in translation in us in the beginning. And God opened a door to where we could just freely communicate and now, 20-something years into it, it's as normal and natural for me to text her, call her, and say, this is what I would love to do. And this mm-hmm. is what I would love me and you to do tonight. Mm-hmm. And we communicate. Yeah. And if it isn't today, it'll be tomorrow or the next day. Yep. But our, it's, it's not even the experience that's curated as much as it is the communication that curates the experience. So yeah. Yeah. I like that. that. That could be a quote right there. Yes. Mm. So 
back on the topic of many books. Yes. <laughs> uh, we always like to ask, what resources could you point people to? Maybe a book that's been helpful for you, um, you and your wife, um, or um, you have a podcast too. Maybe you could direct people to. Okay. Um, there, there's a, a couple books that are not, they're, they're very famous. They're not typically on your marriage list, okay. you know, but crucial accountability and crucial conversations. I'm sure crucial conversations makes it into the marriage list, but it does, um, but crucial accountability. I haven't, that, we haven't, I haven't read, we that haven't one. read that one. It's the sequel to the conversation. Okay. okay. Well, it awesome. is the, it's, it's pretty meaty when it gets right down to the brass tacks of it, mm-hmm. but all of us have to be accountable to each other. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm accountable to Malia mm-hmm. and, and I don't resent that. I yeah. embrace that. Mm-hmm. And so she, she helps me uh, be accountable for my actions be accountable, not just for my conversations, Mm. but how I treat people and her, Mm -hmm. whether it's intentional or not. Yeah. It's, I still need to be held accountable. And, and that is so important. So I would recommend crucial accountability to go along with crucial conversations. Excellent. We, we have a podcast called truth talk and it's hosted by truth church of Calgary. And we'll, uh, give you the link on that. Yeah. It is not very lengthy. I try to keep it right under 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I try to do a lot of book related stuff that I don't drag into the pulpit. I'm pretty scriptural and uh, biblically oriented when I'm up there, but there's a lot of other stuff that gets in the margins. Uh-huh. The podcast is an overflow for the book thing. So <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah. I love that. And if you guys are uh, book people, then you, I'm sure, are going to like what um, Brother Walker presents there. Yes, it's be really good. he is. Uh, wait, what's the offensive term again? So I don't say it. Is it book collector or? Yeah, I'm yeah. not a book collector. He's not a book collector. <laughs> and and am, what are I'm you? I'm a reader. <laughs> I'm a reader that ends up with really nice first edition books. Yes, yes. And and thousands of them, might I add. I Maybe, yeah. <laughs> so I'm an antiquarian book dealer. And I specialize in books from the 11th century to the 17th century. And then after that, it's too new. (laughs) (laughs) I I spend a lot of my time looking at censorship and Mm. how governments and religion has censored ideas and why they've censored that through Uh the years. Uh And you've been doing this for a long time, too. Yeah, a couple decades now. So So before it was in the news, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. uh, wow. Well, thank you so much for taking the time today. Yes. Oh, we, we need to do the Dear Young Mary couple. Letters. Yes, we close all of our episodes out the same way. And that's by asking our interviewee this question. Uh, so rewinding back to the first couple of years of your marriage. How long have you been married, by the way? 22. 22 years. years. So rewinding back a couple decades ago, think back to the advice you wish you would have received and then fill in the blank, dear young married couple. Okay. I would say um, 
the advice I wish I would have received is that she is the one and same as I am, not someone that I married. Mm. In the beginning, I, I thought that this was my significant other. Mm. And I realized she's not that other. She, mm. she is me and I am her. And in the biblical construct, you're one flesh. Nobody can be healthy and unhealthy, strong or weak. Whatever she is, I am. Whatever I am, she is. That's beautiful. That's good. Mm. We can unpack that for another 30 minutes. Right. Oh, this has been so uh, enriching. And I know folks are going to get a lot out of this episode. So thank you so much, Pastor Walker, for your time and expertise. Thank you, Brother Walker. (laughs) Thank you. I have been an admirer from a distance for a long time. I I love your guys' spirit Mm. and the attitude in which you do this. And I am a huge fan. Thank you for having me. Thank you. All right, friends. We really hope that you got a ton out of today's conversation. And if you want help, if you want personal guidance with individual counseling or couples counseling, or even help with you as a couple reaching the goals you have, just reach out. Give us a call at 916-678-1797 or shoot us an email at hello at dearyoungmarriedcouple.com. No matter where you are in the world or in your marriage, we can set up a counseling session with you and we can work toward progress. We also post marriage advice regularly on our Instagram, which is at Dear Young Married Couple. And we'd love for you to join us in conversation there. All right. See you next week. time inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.